this is Dale Connolly from The Morning Show with our weekly podcast. And this time, we'll look at expectations, accusations, and flat-out amazement as Bubby tells us how he's experiencing the presidential and vice presidential debates through the lens of life at Wendell Wilkie High School. We'll also find out what your dog thinks of the blame game you've been playing. And Captain Billy weighs in with the opinion that the world has truly turned upside down. So check your pockets, make sure nothing has fallen out, and stay with us. Joining us now live from the halls of Wendell Wilkie High School, perennial sophomore Bobby Spamden. And uh, Bobby, are you planning to watch the debate tonight? Well, I wasn't planning, but I have to because Mr. Trenchin assigned it for our politics class oh. for some reason. Yeah, but that's a good thing, isn't it? I mean, it's part of the political process, and you do need to understand it. So. Yeah, I guess. Uh-huh. And, and Mr. Trenchin made us do uh, practice debates in class so we would, you, you know, you, uh, know what it feels like to be up there oh, uh-huh. under the hot lights, yeah. having to talk and think at the same time is like, you know, really, really hard because <laughs> they expect you to keep talking and talking and talking, even while you're figuring out what it is you're supposed to say next, you know, God, yeah. <laughs> I don't very, know how they do that. Very complicated. Well, but if you can learn to do it, it's a skill that will serve you for your whole lifetime. Well, Mr. Trenchett says you have to have, like, you know, some set pieces that you can use, you know, stuff that's so, you know, like, easy for you to say that you, you say it without having to think. Oh, uh-huh. and That just frees up your brain, you know, to work on what to say next. Well, and Get the, ready. Yeah, and the candidates all have that. They have these uh, well-rehearsed position statements uh-huh. that they fall back on during during debates. Yeah, I used the Gettysburg Address because oh, yeah. I had to memorize anyway for Miss uh, Pickerel's class in junior high, and it kind of stuck with me. Well, the, the Gettysburg Address is a great thing to know yeah. by heart. So. Yeah, it sounds important enough, you know, to be uh, the real f- answer, no uh-huh. matter what the question is. Uh-huh. So how did you use it exactly then in that situation with these practice debates? Funny, I knew you would ask. Did you? Like, uh, okay, the question was, uh, do you think the pop machines at the band room should be turned on all day or uh-huh. only during lunchtime? That was the question. Right. And my answer was, uh, four score and seven years ago, our forefathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all... Pop should be available all the time for everyone because we are created equally needing of something cold and sweet to drink. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, that's pretty good, actually. Yeah, well, I thought out. so. Uh-huh. And then they, they asked if there should be an extra activity bus, you know, after school for people who have to stay really late like me sometimes, uh-huh. for, for sports and stuff. Yeah. I do other things. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> I said, yeah. four score and seven years ago, <laughs> our forefathers <laughs> brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition yeah. Yeah. that all men are created needing a ride to somewhere <laughs> uh-huh. and they shouldn't have to wait for their parents to come pick them up all the time. So yes to the extra activity bus and may it never perish from the earth. Uh-huh. Well, again, that sounded uh, polished and important, huh? but uh, maybe a little bit repetitive coming after the earlier answer. Yeah, you know, it always takes me at least uh, to the uh, dedicated uh, proposition you know, part to figure out what I really want to say. <laughs> uh-huh. So that's when yeah. the actual response kicks in. But why don't you start somewhere else in the Gettysburg Address so you're not always repeating the same section over oh, and over. Oh, I can't do that. You can't? No, I, I've, I've got to start at the beginning, uh-huh. especially you know, when I'm nervous. Uh-huh. Well, but you learned something about how... 
candidates organize their thoughts during a debate. So. And I also learned how important it is to lower expectations before you even start. Because, uh-huh. you know, if they don't expect much from you, it's, it's just easier to do better. So uh-huh. I did a lot of, uh, <coughs> uh-huh. you know, before things started and told Mr. Trench and I, I had like, you know, a headache. Uh-huh. But uh, I said I, I'd be brave, you know, go ahead anyway. And did that help your grade? Well, if I had stopped there, it probably would have. Uh-huh. But then I kind of told him there was an inherited brain thing in my family, you know, yeah. where the wiring for the left and right brains kind of switched around, and we sometimes just, you know, seize up uh-huh. a cerebral inversion. Oh. That ain't easy to say for me, because yeah. that's what I called it. You know, yeah. I said my grandpa died from it. Oh. Uh-huh. And that's not exactly true? Nah, he's still alive. Oh. And I think Mr. Trenchin is in, uh, you know, like the Elks Club with him or something, so <laughs> yeah. I kind of got a bad grade yeah. and a talking to about making stuff up, you well, know. So. yeah, I'm sure he told you to always tell the truth. Well, no. Oh. Uh, he said I should have used something more ordinary like, you know, a torn <laughs> rotator cuff or something. So he told you to lie better then. Well, he teaches politics for crying out loud. <laughs> Oops, I, hey, I gotta go. All hey, right. Gloria, four <laughs> score and seven years ago, I asked you for a date. Are you even gonna answer me? Joining us from the halls of Wendell Wilkie High School, the perennial sophomore, Bubby Spamden. This section of our broadcast this morning is brought to you by Bowser Bed, the vibrating pad for dogs. Why don't you pick one up? For your very best friend today. And why, you ask? Well, because lately your dog has been feeling a little singled out for scorn and disrespect, like the other day when a friend of yours stopped by from work to drop off a few papers that uh, uh, you needed to have, and you were so free with those details about a certain incident from the past. Oh, no, and then the your... one time when I had some reports just like this sitting on the kitchen table. And the Sparky here, well, must have thought they smelled like peanut butter or something. Because when my back was turned, he took the whole stack of reports and just ripped them up and spread them all around the room. And I tell you, I was pretty mad at the time, but how can you But that's not all. Then there was another time when you were taking Sparky for a walk and you ran into some people who were also walking their dog at the park at the same time and you began to chat and the topic turned to the off-leash area and you were so negative about it, about Sparky's ability to behave. Basically, I think he would like our walks to be, you know, totally unregulated uh, situation with, you know, no oversight at all. He, he keeps pulling and pulling and just wanting me to unleash him and just, just let him run wild. But, uh, you know, when I do that, he, well, you guessed it, he chases squirrels into the flower beds and just tears everything up. And then the park superintendent says, well, I have to pay for the replant of that stuff, and I can't afford that. And anyway, I didn't and chase And then there was another time when you hired the, the neighbor kid to mow the lawn, and the kid came over to find out what he needed to do. And the way you talked to him about the yard was very, very hurtful to Sparky, actually. And, uh, of course, he eats like a king and then goes out there and makes... <clears throat> These deposits that are absolutely repulsive, you know what I mean? But does he clean it up? No, no. He, just a kick of his back legs, and he's done with it. Somebody else has to scoop up the mess, like it or not, and that's me, of course, even though I had no role in creating it. And if I don't do it, the yard is, well, a mess, you know. Nobody could go out there. You know, sometimes to Sparky, it seems like you are completely caught up in playing the blame game. 
when it comes to him, pointing fingers and resenting the things that he did, and in some cases, things that he did with your help. And anyway, you knew what he was like when you brought him into your house. He's a free spirit, after all, so... Although you've hurt Sparky's feelings with this dwelling-in-the-past attitude of yours, he's not going to make any apologies for who he is or what he's done, because he obeys natural laws. And if you were a little smarter, you wouldn't try to punish him by piling on rules and restrictions and locking him in the house when there are squirrels to chase. And, and you wouldn't try keeping him out of your kitchen when there's peanut butter toast around. If you knew what was right, if you really wanted a happy future, you'd empty out your bank account and use the proceeds to buy him a Bowser bed vibrating pad for dogs because a Bowser bed is a delightful motivator for your dog, giving him the kind of positive reinforcement that always gets results. And rather than limit him, the Bowser bed stimulates every sector of your dog, creating a set of conditions that could lead to a startling and energetic recovery just when his spirit seems so low. Because you know what? Your dog is suffering from feelings of depression and worthlessness, and you're not going to feel so good either if that's happening in your house because there is a basic investment that you need to make in the overall welfare of the emotional marketplace that you and your dog both inhabit. I'll bet you've never thought of it that way, and it's not the same thing as socialism no matter what anybody says. It's just good, plain common sense. It's the Bowser bed vibrating pad for dogs, so why don't you pick one up for your best friend today, or else something really awful could happen. Believe me, you'll be glad you did, and so will he. Joining us from far out at sea, Captain Billy and the crew of the Muskelang. Good morning to you, Captain. Oh, I fine morning it is. Even fair weather is your aim. But, you know, economically, it's a blight today. A blight, I say, <laughs> in worldwide, too. Ain't that right, boys? <laughs> I, the whole dang world is, I would say, topsy-turvy it is. It, so you're, ta- you're talking about the banks and stock markets uh, and all of that. Aye, of course, and the very laws of nature has been flipped, especially when it comes to pirates. Do you realize? On one hand, off in the coast of Somalia, it has a group of pirates holding a ship full of tanks and ammo and demanding a $20 million ransom. And now they're asking for less and less as time goes by down to, what is it now, boys? Five million! Five million of Poultry five million, <laughs> yeah. while at the same time in Hollywood, that fake pirate Johnny Depp is getting $32 million to be in the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and I don't believe there was any negotiating done at all. Mm-hmm. He tells them what he wants, and they just hands it right over. Uh-huh. So who is the real pirates then? Uh-huh. The real pirates uh-huh. or Johnny Depp? What thinks you, boys? What do the what do the boys think? Well, sadly, they realize <laughs> that Depp is a genuine pirate. <laughs> well, yes, yes, I heard you. Well, <laughs> yeah. the pirates is merely powerless actors 
pretending to be pirates while everyone else seems to know they ain't. Well, that is very confusing then. Yes, indeed. And meanwhile, uh-huh. on Wall Street, oh, them Wall Street. wild deal makers, what used to consider themselves swashbuckling risk takers, uh-huh. trying to be more like ordinary small town bankers, <laughs> kind of like that George Bailey character oh. in uh, what was it? It's, uh, a, it's, it's a, a wonderful, it's a wonderful life. life. Yes, yeah. the yeah. Jimmy Stewart. Right, right. Yeah. Except, of course, Jimmy Stewart was an actor pretending to be a banker. But he may still be the most trusted banker in America today, I tell you that much, even though he was never reeling and now is truly departed to boot. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So what is, Captain, I hate to ask you this, but what what does it all mean? Boys, what does it all mean? (laughs) Somebody tell me. Double rations of grog? I don't think so. Immediate shore leave for all the hands. Oh, you're dreaming. So do they have any notion of what it all means then? Nay. No? No, he has no idea what it all means. Okay. But it seems to me that pretending to be what you ain't is the new way to survive in this here upside-down world. Ain't that right, boys? <laughs> pretending to be. Uh, uh, does that go for pirates also then? Oh, it does. Uh-huh. And in fact, I would go so far as to say... They ain't pirates. They ain't pirates? No, <laughs> no. These Nobel laureates. Uh, <laughs> totally laureates, re- you mean? Huh? Laureates? Whatever. Nobel laureates? Laureates. Yeah. Uh, totally respectable and trustworthy. Ain't that right, boys? Hi, <laughs> oh, there's the co-recipients of this year's Nobel Prize in economics. Economics? Yeah, economics, right, boys? Is it economics? Come on, boys, listen up. <laughs> Well, what did they win for in economics, Captain? Their extensive research in pillaging. Oh, pillaging uh, and the forceful redistribution of wealth. That's the name of their scholarly paper, is that's it? That's right. right pillaging yes. and very, the forceful very detailed it redistribution. Is. Yeah. All about pillaging and how it's different from plundering. Ah. A landmark work it is, yeah. which is quite remarkable considering how seldom me boys is actually on land or even <laughs> reads. <laughs> Well, I'd like to read that paper then. Well, as soon as it dries out, you can have a copy. And if you'd like to have a Nobel laureate, you say, conference right there in your house or in some educational institution somewhere, Uh or say, oh, maybe in the vault of, say, a community bank, Uh why, we're available for bookings. Oh, is that right? (laughs) Okay, joining us from far out at sea, we can apply our theories to your wealth. Captain Billy and the crew of the Muskelung, and we thank them for taking the time to join us. That's this week's podcast. Thanks to Jim Ed Poole for the characters. All of our scripts are written by yours truly, Dale Connolly. The broadcast producer is Mike Pengra. Our online producer is Michael Wells. The morning show is heard Monday through Friday, 5 to 9 a.m. on 89.3 The Current in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Most of our show is also on Minnesota Public Radio's region-wide network, and, of course, worldwide through our website, thecurrent.org. There will be another podcast for you in one week. See you then.